0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, joined in studio by Jeff Rutberg, Ryan Strauss, and Jeffrey Cohen, back with you on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. Guys, baseball season's underway. The Final Four ended last weekend with the championship. Uh, the Masters is starting. This is a fun time of year. Jeff, are you as excited as I am for this time of year?
1: Yes, yes, very much. However, I do want to make one point. Okay. The team I despise the most... A team I dislike even more than the Dallas Cowboys. Where did this dislike come from? This is uh, the University of North Carolina. Okay. And they won the NCAA tournament. Okay. I, just, I was rooting against them all the way through. I even that's why they Michigan. won. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's why they won. You were rooting against them, Jeff. That's what happened there. Ryan, how you doing? Do you believe that Jeff is the reason that North Carolina won because of his picking? Well, also the UConn women, they
2: uh, Jeff was reading them on, like we said, and they unfortunately lost for, uh, for them. So, I guess it, it's a curse. Maybe it's related to the Philly teams somehow. Jeff Cohen, what do you think? Is there a
3: Jeff Ruppberg curse? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Or you could see it as a good thing.
0: But you have you want to give a public service announcement before we go into the Ruppberg curse or any other topics we're going to talk about today?
3: Yes, for for all the kids and adults out there and professional athletes. Uh, this is a public service announcement directed to you. If you're going to do something stupid, don't do it in front of a camera or post it online.
0: Why are you giving this public a service announcement to people this week, Jeff?
3: Be- because this, uh, this very, very smart player on, on the Reds, pro- prospect named Ian Kahaloa, decided that he was going to post him doing himself doing drugs on Snapchat. You what don't, happened? You don't think
0: that's a good idea?
3: Well, apparently it didn't turn out to be a good idea for him because as a result, he then was tested for drugs by Major League Baseball and today they announced that he is has been suspended for 50 games, which by the way is too little. It, I I'm not and I'm not saying that it's too little because of the drugs. I'm saying it's too little because of stupidity.
0: So you think there should be a stupidity penalty on top of a <laughs> hundred games,
3: the drug usage? That <laughs> That's play. right.
0: Just just because of how this whole thing happened,
3: right? Yeah. That's you, a, I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers last year during the draft, there was the genius who decided that he was going to do drugs with yeah. a with a gas mask La- on, Laramie <laughs> Tunsil,
0: and it and it's dropped when the, when the picture came out of him uh, with a bong. It, it definitely uh, damages their public perception, whatever they think about it. But, Jeff, we'll talk more about all the other sports. We do have a guest in studio. Why don't you introduce him so we can talk about a little golf to start the show this week?
3: Yeah, I'm excited that we have uh, an up-and-coming pro, uh, a golf professional, um, Kevin Birmingham. Uh, Kevin, Kevin works at the Morristown Field Club. Over in Morristown, New Jersey, and is going to be able to talk all things Masters with us today.
4: So try my best, Kevin.
0: How's everything going? This is this must be an exciting time of year with you, with the Masters and other tournaments going on. We have plenty of questions for you. What are your thoughts as people are teeing off? We're taping the show on a Thursday. Golfers are on the course right now. What are your thoughts?
4: Uh, as far as the Masters go, yeah, go I on. mean this is the start of the season. You know the. This is when you take the clubs out of the garage, you take the clubs out of the basement, you got dust them off, you head to the range, and you start getting ready for your season. Um,
0: this is when you start fixing people's swings. This right? is when you start fixing people's <laughs> swings, yeah. I'm the
4: Maytag repairman in the wintertime over there at the Fuel Club. Not too much action going on, but we've had some good weather, so it's uh, February was amazing.
1: So, ha- haven't you practiced all uh, winter?
0: Well, he might have, but everybody else has their clubs in the garage, lost their swing. Not not everybody else is a golf pro that has time to be out there on the course. In
3: in fact, I move them to the basement during the winter because I need the room in my garage (laughs) for for the snowblower.
1: Don't you get out uh, to the various? uh, places to uh, practice your swing
3: yeah you ever try hitting a golf ball in the middle of winter yeah, yeah it hurts yeah. it hurts <laughs> that, that
1: reverberation in the sure. yeah. is, it
3: stings. is not
0: something that everybody likes you, you know, know.
3: I, I thought one of the touching things at the beginning of the masters this year was uh as, as most people know arnold palmer passed away this past year and they decided to start the masters usually they start with arnold palmer and jack nicholas and uh, gary player teeing off the first hole to start the Masters and since Arnold Palmer wasn't there for the first time in over 60 years they decided that Gary Player and Jack Nicholas would tee off but they would do so with a, a white chair and one of Arnold Palmer's green jackets there and yeah. he has meant I mean Kevin why don't you tell us uh, how much Arnold Palmer has meant to golf?
4: Idol. I mean that's it you look it up in the dictionary as far as a golf professional goes how he handled himself on and off the golf course Arnold Palmer comes up ten times out of ten. He uh, he paved the way for a lot of new, younger golf professionals looking to make it out there on the big tour, on the big show. He made golf cool with endorsements, with uh, TV ads, with um, just his style, the Carnigan, how he wore himself out there on the golf course. And you know he was a he was a greenskeeper's kid. He wasn't you know anything too flashy, but he was our you know everyday golfing guy, somebody you could really look up to. He was one of my all-time idols, especially uh, my grandfather as well.
0: I think it's fitting that that's how they started it, too, because the Masters Great talks tradition. about the traditions Absolutely. of the Masters, and, and here they are honoring
3: that.
4: Sure. Now, and if uh, if you're going to honor somebody, it's Arnold Palmer, that's for sure.
3: So before we get to the, the beginning of the Masters, uh, something happened last week that was baffling to me. Drives me nuts. Uh, uh, what happened was in a, in a women's major, which is, I think, the Dinah Shore Classic, right? Yep. Um, Poppy's that,
4: Pond, yep.
3: And in, in that uh, tournament, Lexi Thompson was up by a few strokes mm. uh, going into the last round. And in the, on the 13th hole, somebody walked up to her and said to her, by the way, you're getting penalized for strokes for something that happened yesterday. Yeah, the next day. This was the and, final
4: day, not even in the same day. Right. Yeah, no, that was incorrectly done.
3: So can you tell us, first of all, what happened?
4: So when you're playing in a tournament, the last thing you want to do is step in somebody's putting line, right? Being tedious, golfers, you want to make sure that you don't mess anybody else's stroke up or, you know, hurt the line of the putt. So Lexi went up there was a putt that she was going to make 100 times out of 100. She was not going to miss this putt, went up um, nonchalantly, marked her golf ball let her fellow competitor put her ball out. Lexi now approached her ball, side-saddled, if you will, not directly behind, and when she put the mark back down, a difference of maybe an inch, the ball was now played from an incorrect spot. So she holed the ball out from an incorrect spot, which is against the rules, signed an incorrect scorecard at the end of the round, which is against the rules. But did she really mean to edge an advantage out? I would I don't think so. It shouldn't have cost her a major.
2: So was the TV cameras used to make that decision, and is that a common practice in professional golf?
4: So there shouldn't be an opportunity for a viewer to call in, wear the stripes, if you will, and decide that player's fate. That's just absolutely incorrect. It cost her history. She could have been, that would have been the second time that she won this major. What was the penalty? The penalty was marking the golf ball. When the mark went back down behind the ball, it was not placed exactly in the same spot that it was prior. And this happens quite often. If you've ever played a round of golf, you try to mark your ball, you let your buddies putt out, and you go back to mark your golf ball, it's pretty hard to put that ball in the same exact spot.
0: And so a viewer noticed this and emailed. Say that again? A viewer noticed this a viewer noticed TV that and emailed. And called, called into in.
4: the LPGA. It should have been – exactly. It should have been – taken care of and dealt with inside the lpga it shouldn't have been here comes a rule a rules official driving out to the middle of the fairway on the 13th hole at the end of a major to say hey by the way we're uh we're adding four strokes to your score so
1: for for example for the nfl so we when we watch the games we can call into the NFL the next day and, and tell them all about the penalties, the holding penalties that the refs missed.
3: Well, no, because well, no, the difference in this is it's still one tournament. The, the better analogy would be if, if there is, a, let's say, somebody throws a touchdown pass in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and then somebody calls in at halftime and says, hey, by the way, there was offensive pass interference, the wide receiver pushed off in order to gain an advantage, and them coming back in the third quarter and then saying, you know what? No touchdown, they take it off that, the board,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah that,
0: <laughs> that would be what it was like. It just makes no sense to me why does the why does golf allow that? I get it's about integrity and honor and and everything, but really somebody's going to be able to zoom in on their TV at home yeah. and and call and change the outcome of a major golf tournament
4: it was uh it was horrible. I felt so bad for her. But I'll tell you, if there's any kind of silver lining to this, that she's gained a fan for life and a lot of people. How she handled it, and she, I think, she birdied four of the last five holes to get into the playoff. So my hats off to her for doing that and almost coming back and winning the darn thing.
3: Why? Why did the the LPGA basically say they were giving her a gift that this was? She actually ended up better than she would have I, under I, last year's hey, rules.
0: I would just pass up that gift, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he said, "Why? Why did the LPGA say that they were giving her a gift by doing it this way?"
4: I didn't. Um, I didn't hear that comment, Jeff. All right. Well,
3: well what? I, what? the, gift I, from I the think year before. Well, no. Basically, what they were saying is, is that the penalty was how many strokes was it? Well, it was
4: two and two, f- two, two, or and two, two. two. right two,
0: two for the mismark and two for filing a scorecard that was incorrect.
4: But hmm. I
3: but I believe they said that the rule was changed this year, that last year the penalty would have been, been, been disqualified, disqualified
4: from the tournament, <laughs> okay. which so makes even less. There you sense. go. Pat on the back. There you go. <laughs> and, and last year, didn't something like this happen with Dustin Johnson? So perfect example, Dustin Johnson, that's the segue into it, that it made the USGA's job a lot easier to assess him that stroke penalty after he won by three. If Dustin Johnson was maybe leading by one going into that last hole, there's no consistency. May They may have or they may not have assessed that stroke penalty. To
3: and, and they left him hanging
4: during that. Like well, they, it happened th- a couple different times. You can't have greens that fast mm-hmm. and expect the balls not to be affected. Well, and let's move into the Masters with
0: Dustin Johnson, who took an unfortunate fall yesterday. Again, we're taping this on Thursday. He mm-hmm. was in his rental home in Augusta and fell down some wooden steps and hit his back and went out on the tee to try and start today and withdrew from the tournament.
4: That's a shame. Is the was, field wide open now? Playing the, the best golf of his career, he steps on that on that tee almost like Tiger did back years ago when he was at Augusta 20 years ago. Can't believe it's been that long. Um, Tiger won his first jacket, but arguably he was the you know the heavyweight champ. He was the heavyweight favorite to win this year's Masters. Um, but you cannot count out any of the top 20, top 30, even top 40 guys. The game is that good. The game is in that good of shape with players. Uh, playing at their highest level being able to peak we've had 259s this year wow. on the PGA tour
0: i i I'm, I'm able to shoot that on a front nine right <laughs> that's what Some, yeah. sometimes sometimes, what so, back, sometimes.
1: Right? That's, yeah. that's a good front nine <laughs> for me actually i question don't you have to uh put money up
4: to enter the uh, uh golf tournaments um for like Augusta or for PGA tour events or Yes. Yeah. There's there's a smaller entry fee. So the, the the better golfer you are, the more money that you make in golf. It seems to be the lower the entry fee is, and the small mini tours that are out now down in Florida and the Carolinas and even up here in Pennsylvania, the entry fees are much higher because that's the money that you're playing for the purse money. So yes.
1: Does does he get that money back that he can't? Uh, oh, he'll get play? More,
4: he'll get more than that if he wins. Yeah. No. I don't. Yeah. As far as Dustin Johnson oh, Dustin goes, Dustin Johnson. a yeah. No, that's I don't think he's going to be too worried about i'm not exactly sure the the, the exact price but
3: yeah, yeah yeah if anybody could do that i'm pretty sure that they'd have a million people entering the masters if you could just put up enough money to play sure you still got to win a tournament it's a new pro-am yeah
2: Could you talk about the state of american golfers currently and i know in the Ryder Cup we get to see their talent showcase against the european team uh could you just talk about the state of american golf how it's moved on from the tiger woods era i mean right now rory mcelroy is really the face of golf if you will um just some comments around that or who might be a surprise this season
4: it's a global game so what tiger woods did in the late 90s and early 2000s will never be seen again um he practiced a different way he he made golf almost cool again like arnold palmer did the nike swoosh the red shirt on sunday the physique uh, the power that he was hitting the golf ball, he was out driving these guys by forty, fifty yards. He was turning grown men into little kids again. So now what that did, that transcended into the ranks, so to speak. And that hundred and twenty fifth ranked player on the tour, say twenty years ago, versus now, five, six, seven, maybe even ten strokes better. So so do you think that
3: that as a result of somebody like Tiger Woods that that golfers are better fit?
4: Well We have this discussion quite a bit at the club off months, um, and my my comment is if you have your your child and you're raising him to be an athlete, you're not raising him to be second best if he's got that talent, right? So if you're going to put this child up on the big show, so to speak, he's got to be as good or better than Tiger Woods to compete out there. So Tiger raised the bar for every single golfer that was out there playing this game. So the Rory McIlroys, the Jordan Spieths, the Ricky Fowlers, um, the, the Matthew Fitzpatricks of the game all watched him do this and said, look, if I, if I want to play this game and be number one in the world, this is where my game needs to be.
0: And so is that the next generation for that's sure. coming up that oh you just God, mentioned? Yeah. And that- the golf's
4: in good hands. Hideki Matsuyama from Japan, he still doesn't have his major, his first major, but, I mean, he won five out of the six tournaments that he entered in. Dustin Johnson winning the uh the Grand Slam for uh, the WG uh, WGC events the last one he won in Mexico. I mean, golf's in a good spot. But he's in, he's in his 30s now, right? Dustin I think is, maybe is at least 30, 30 yeah. 32.
3: Who who are the who are the really young guys that maybe uh, we all know about Ricky Fowler and Jason mm. Day and Matsayama. step on Yeah, who are the who are the guys that are going to be the next generation? Once these guys hit their thirties and forties,
4: I really like I, I like Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick's game. He's in his mid twenties. He's from England. Heck of a golfer. Great short game. Um, it's amazing at 28, 27 Now these guys are veterans on the tour. I mean, what Jordan Spieth did at the Masters last year to to lose that tournament the way he did, having a five stroke lead going into the twelfth hole. Um, and handle himself, putting on the green jacket to Danny Willett after he won, just shows you what this game is all about. And that goes back to my point with Lexi Thompson: we govern ourselves. There's no way that a guy or a girl should call in and be able to determine the fate of that person's tournament, so to speak. I, I have a an
1: issue as a fan. So at a major. So you can't sit anywhere, right? You have to just stand there.
4: No, that they have different uh, bleachers and do they do? You know, okay. points of interest where you can maybe see two or three holes, if you you know panoramic view, so to speak, where you can see maybe six green, nine T and and then maybe uh, you know seventeen or sixteen T coming back up. So oh, there's good. quite a few spots. You don't necessarily have to walk all over the course. And yeah. the the other thing is, unlike baseball, where I can say, "Come on,
1: Ryan, get a big hit." You can't go out there, come on, Rory, get a good hit, no, hit that it's, ball it's not really like, well.
0: It's not like Happy Gilmore. They want no. quiet. Can you talk about that? Why is it that uh, the atmosphere there is so sacrosanct that hmm. people shouldn't talk during
4: any of this? Concentration. I mean, just the smallest little sound or noise. Guys got rabbit ears. Some guys deal with it better than others. Some girls deal with it better than others. Um but as soon as that golfer makes contact with the golf ball, boy, you hear some funny things, like at TPC, so- <laughs> TPC 16 in Scottsdale. <laughs> Peanut butter jelly, or, yeah. <laughs> guy that guy Bubba Bubba
0: So you talk about the, the mental makeup. So mm. Jordan Spieth, in real time, I'm getting alerts here on Thursday, Jordan Spieth on the 15th hole just shot his third quadruple bogey of his career. Oh, so no. if you're a Jordan Spieth and you're on the 15th hole of the first day of the Masters, How do you come back from a quadruple bogey? What do you have to do mentally and physically to move forward on a golf course like
4: that? Well, there's an old saying in golf is that you cannot win the golf tournament on the Thursday, but you can surely lose it on Thursday. So what he needs to do is really tighten up his game, Try to maybe get the score close to par as you know as best he can. One under, one over. The winds are going to be high tomorrow. He's a great player. He's a major champion. He's got the stuff. I mean, he's going to go ahead and pull through. Um, he just needs to uh, just. They say it all the time: one shot at a time. Don't think about getting into the clubhouse. Think about that shot now on 16t. So,
3: you're a golf pro over at Moorstown Field Club. Correct. Right? Yes. Okay. So you're you're now going to have all of us bad golfers or, you know, okay golfers coming over to you and, and you're going to have to fix all of our swings.
4: (laughs) That's good luck. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to need a, there's, there's not enough time in the day, right? What what are the the
3: three things that you see most often that are the, the things that if you, you you know, I, I remember taking a lesson years ago Mm -hmm. and it literally made me freeze that I got out into a golf course and I was thinking about all 17 things he told me to do. And sure. I literally stood over the ball for three minutes before I could hit it.
4: Well, that's paralysis by analysis, right. right? That you have to focus on maybe two or three points. And I wouldn't say getting that right out onto the golf course is the best thing to do after you've taken a lesson. So, so what are those, what are those three things? That- so balance is arguably the, the, the number one thing you need to have in golf. You have to have good balance, right? Evenly distributed weight, left foot, right foot. The grip is very important. And then i think third it's it's argumentative but you could it's spine angle the amount of tilt that your body has when you address the golf ball and maintaining that angle throughout the back and throughout impact and then into the follow-through so uh, balance is number one uh, grip is definitely one or two and then spine angle and posture is number three okay and Mm -hmm. then just um, take it you know take it slow you don't need to You know, do everything at once. Maybe set yourself some smaller goals. Maybe that first lesson is just, let me just make sure that I can drop into my posture perfect every time, and then that's a win. That's a goal that you've accomplished.
0: So as we wrap up this segment with Dustin Johnson out, with Jordan Spieth quadruple bogeying, who should we look to this weekend? Who do you think the course favors, given the weather and the way the course plays, somebody that we should look out for?
4: I mean, Rory McIlroy, how do you bet against him? He doesn't – he's been – you know, he spoke candidly about not like not like to play in the wind so much over in you know Europe. That's not his cup of tea, so to speak. So, uh, but how could you bet against him? Uh, Jason Days maybe has a little bit too much going on in his head right now uh, with his mother. Thank God she's okay and she's feeling better and she's in recovery. Um, Brant Snedeker, he's a guy that's got some long-time uh, roots at Augusta National. Was closed so many times
1: uh th- there was a couple other uh, questions uh, that we wanted to ask uh and we have we have a little bit of time that's the uh, the courses the best courses yeah, in the so, area
0: so what, since we'll hang for a couple, few more minutes what are your favorite courses that you've played at if you had to town field club number well, one of course number one on the list. <laughs> okay so if we were to take away where you are a golf pro and you had to talk your five favorite courses we'll just assume that that's number one sure 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 and let's so, go for the five after <laughs>
4: well i grew up down the shore um in a town Cape May Courthouse Dennisville area and I grew up on Wildwood Country Club so that's kind of my that's my little Augusta I grew up playing Shoregate Golf Club down there which I think from all the way back is is a phenomenal phenomenal track Galloway National down the shore area is wonderful Mm -hmm. Um, Pine Valley and Clementon's the number one course in America in the world and it's in Clementon, New Jersey it's 10 minutes away from us right now why um, I think it's the mystique it's the layout it's the tradition it's the slope rating and the course rating how hard and how difficult the course is now there are more beautiful scenic golf courses out there but do they have the do they have that you know that Pine Valley feel that hollow ground when you walk on it not necessarily so I think that and Augusta National are always bouncing back and forth from number one and number two
3: okay so if you, if you had to pick a, pick one who's going to be the, one, the winner this week
4: the winner this week. I'm a little partial to Brant Snedeker because I have him in one of my pools, uh, but I don't. I don't know how you can't bet against. Um, I don't know how you can't bet against Rory. And, and Jeff, who do you have this week?
1: I, I I'm not going to watch the Masters. Oh, so everybody actually, actually everybody does has have a, a chance. chance. Yeah, right. exactly right. <laughs> Jeff, take us to break. Thanks so much for coming. My in. pleasure. We okay. appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Thank you. It's time for us to head to a break. You're listening to the Heart of Sports on 6:10 a.m. Sports. When we return, we'll talk Final Four and the Phillies in 2017 stay right with us
0: let me tell you buying or selling a home is a life changing decision whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home Ann Coons is the realtor you need in fact she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home with over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve when it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856 795 4709. Again, that's 856 795 4709. Or learn more on the web at www.ancoonsrealestate.com.
5: Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-337. 3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family.
1: And we're back. This is the Heart of Sports on 610 AM. I'm Jeff Rutberg with Jason Springer, Ryan Strauss, and Jeffrey Cohen.
0: Okay. Who watched the Final Four and the championship game? Jeff Rutberg is raising his hand in studio. Ryan Strauss has his hand up. Jeff Cohen, why is your hand not up? You didn't watch the Final Four? Work. What can I I tell you? You're just so busy. So, Jeff, Rutberg, you're disappointed that North
1: Carolina won. Yes, I am, but... What team can win shooting 20%? I mean, Gonzaga was shooting 20% in the uh, second half, and you can't win. It's like a quarterback in football throwing four interceptions. You can't win that game.
0: Well, it's a challenge for them to shoot in those stadiums, right, Jeff?
3: Well, from, I mean, from what you hear from the players, and I, I can't remember the last time that we had two teams shoot well in the final or the final four. It just mm. it seems that the depth perception, they're used to playing in a smaller arena with a background that is closer to you. And they say that makes a difference in when you're shooting when all of a sudden you have to play in these giant stadiums where you just have all this room afterwards. You know what didn't impact
0: the the stadium didn't impact? The refs. They were terrible. So they, many fouls in the So home. many fouls called in that game. There was no rhythm to it. It went forever. Uh, the, the best game was in the tournament was actually North Carolina-Kentucky. That was the best game that but, was but, played in the tournament. Uh,
3: I don't even think that was the best game because the refs impacted that game, too. Well, the, the two best players on Kentucky were basically on— De'A- De'Aaron Fox was on the bench for a large portion of the first half. Malik Monk, I think, also had two fouls in the first half. And And if you're going to call two quick fouls on the stars of the game— I'm not saying don't call fouls if they're stars— I'm saying don't call these ticky-tack fouls that they seem to be calling now. I agree. I don't like the way that it disrupts the game.
1: Yeah, and you'll end up with a a game like the 76ers play. (laughs) Well, there's lots of reasons why that happens. Lots of of second and third and fifth round uh, draft
3: picks. Uh, I'll take Kentucky over the the Sixers now. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: the team that the Sixers are rolling out, we'll talk about that more in the third segment. So, Jeff Cohen, you may not have watched But the final four Saturday had its second highest rating in 12 years. North Carolina, Oregon was up 42%. Gonzaga, South Carolina, we wondered with a team like South Carolina in the tournament, would the ratings be not as high, up 31%. Wow. The championship final, 23 million viewers, up 30% from last year. So people didn't seem to have a problem watching. They, uh, March Madness Live had 98 million live streams, up 33% from their previous year. The National Championship game alone got 4.4 million live streams. That's up 29% last year. Are they making up these numbers?
2: I mean, 30% increases across the board seems a little suspicious. I'm not
0: surprised by the digital increase because of the expansion of mobile. I was more surprised by the TV ratings increase, and Nielsen and and other places track that, so it's not really where the NCAA can make it up. Overall, though, the 2017 tournament across all their channels, TBS, CBS, TNT, and True TV, was up 13%, so if I'm the NCAA, I'm not feeling too bad about what happened.
3: Did you buy stock in True TV?
0: <laughs> Not yet. <but laughs> I should,
3: right? Well, now, now's I, the time to sell it I've and then buy the, it again in I've, April.
0: I've given the more plugs on the radio show just <laughs> trying to figure out where the games are than anything. I mean, I never talk about it that much. Jeff, you also watched the women's tournament a little bit. Uh, yes, unfortunately, yeah. um, Sean Kennedy, our, our guest, uh, was, had his heart set on UConn.
1: Yeah. It got the Ruppberg jinx, do yeah, you think? Yeah, or I is, think so, maybe. I was watching the game. I thought, you know. Uh, I thought UConn would have been up by uh, lots of points, and half they were losing. That's why I text you, what, what have I done?
0: <laughs> we did get a text message from Jeff during the game asking what he's done with UConn being down. And actually, <laughs> last year, Mississippi State lost by like 50 or 60 points to UConn in the tournament. So for them to come back and win it, yeah. they just didn't have enough to beat South Carolina in the final, which got a
1: local girl local product. Yes, yeah, Dawn Staley. Got a yeah. championship. I was glad, to, glad that that happened. I, I couldn't root for Mississippi State because they beat the team that I liked. But uh, <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm I going to start questioning which teams you like now and, yes, and, and yes. Uh,
0: checking against them. So I, that, I that I may be a future for, segment, segment I, teams I, that Jeff likes.
3: I did watch part of the women's final and, mm. and, and I was surprised that when it got towards the end of the game one of their better players and the player that actually was the the biggest impact in beating UConn was sitting on the bench for the last 10 minutes yeah they, A- and nobody has been able to explain why she was there even the coach just said well the other person was hot was hot and I
1: think hot was six points
3: look I, I don't question coaches I, I don't
0: get answers so mm-hmm. I just don't ask the questions
1: one of the things that you know we don't really know we can't really feel is the pressure that they feel when they're out playing you know, in front of 20,000 people in the stadium and and millions on television and how much pressure that is to score even foul shots and uh, you know something that they practice and practice and practice and they miss one it could turn the game
3: well she did pretty good
1: against uconn well but, but it's, it's all them. i'm talking about all, all mm-hmm. the players it's uh, you know we yell at them and scream at them they're college players and uh, it's what's riding on it you know t- team pride and school pride but in in reality it's like that it's and, a life and death situation and, and gambling dollars and but gambling we're not supposed dollars. to mention that no. right
3: but you so, know but you know what comes next after the final four is over what comes next the exodus of players okay and, so it, right
0: and and so you know, it's funny. You talked about Malik Monk being on the the bench. That's mm-hmm. before the Final Four even starts. You have guys declaring for the
3: draft. Oh yeah,
2: yeah Markel Mar- Mar-
3: Fultz who didn't even make the tournament. Your boy Lavar Ball or uh, Le- Oh, Lanzo he's Ball. announced. Yep, he's announced. So mm-hmm. Lavar is his dad is coming to the NBA. Are yep. you excited, Jeff? Oh, I am very excited for Lavar Ball to go play. And it, my my only hope for him is that he doesn't get taken by the Lakers. Well, <laughs> just well, Just so we can have all the entertainment of his father saying how he's going to get him to the Lakers.
1: There's talk already that the Sixers might be
3: interested. They'll, unless they're going to move up for him, they're not going to get him, or unless they win the lottery. Cause right now the Sixers, because of those extra games that you wanted them to win. Yeah. <laughs> now, now they're going to get, now they're going to get the fifth or sixth pick and right. he ain't going to be there. So are you
0: saying that it's the Ruppberg jinx on a draft pick now too? That's right. Because Jeff wanted wins to occur in the game. Now all of a sudden, Well, he got the win. So in, in that case, he predicted, right. He did yeah. get the win. So speaking of getting wins, we'll move on from March madness. And, we are recording this week on a Thursday because tomorrow, Friday, is the home opener for the Phillies. Who is going to the home opener here? I see Jeff I will Cohen be there. will be the there. The Michigan guys. The Michigan guys. Uh, Ryan Strauss will be there. Uh, Jeff, a little too cold for you? Yes, too
1: cold. <laughs> I don't go. I don't start going to Phillies games until either the very end of May or June. It could be cold
0: tomorrow night at yeah. the game. I would. I would dress well, up. Well, it's
3: it's a th- it's a three o'clock.
1: Three game, o'clock.
0: So yeah,
3: yeah. so it'll still be sunlight out, hopefully. Uh, hopefully, the rain will have gone at that point. It doesn't matter, though. It's opening day. But, uh, I don't know how you can't get excited about opening
1: day. I'll but. be watching. Well, here's the thing. I've, I've sat there. Uh, you, you, when you were saying before how cold it is to uh, hit a, a tee shot in an a, a, icy uh, a golf course in the wintertime, I've sat there at, at Citizens Bank Park and at Wrigley Field, uh, when it's f- with my winter coat on it and the game is just not as much fun when you're shivering <laughs> well uh, i not, don't not, know
3: they were pre- the, the the game was pretty exciting when they won the world series and that was a pretty cold day
1: yes it was all yes. right
3: well before we
0: get to the home opener let's get jeff's weekly ryan howard commentary <laughs> out of the way <laughs> jeff ryan howard is no longer unemployed right. he is going to be uh, on a minor league deal with the atlanta braves right. your your thoughts
1: i wish him luck okay
0: Will you be going to the games to boo him
1: in a Braves uniform? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll probably see a couple of uh, Phillies games. It doesn't matter who the Phillies play. I don't really care when I get tickets.
0: I would guess that the Phillies play with a big shift
3: when they play against <laughs> him. Anyway, so... Wait, but, but you, you said, will you be booing him? Well, well, if he comes back and plays in a game here, I don't think it'll happen. I think that the, they brought him in as insurance for Freddie Freeman in case he gets hurt. And then in interleague games, they'll put, they'll bring him up, and then he could be the designated hitter.
0: Jeff booed him when he was still here.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, look, <laughs> that's why I said he, it. <laughs> he's the, he's the greatest first baseman in the history of Philly uh, of Philadelphia. Uh, how could you boo him at this point? I understand he got hurt, he stayed around too long, but if he comes back here now, every single Philadelphian should get up and applaud him. I probably will.
1: Yeah. That'll yeah. be the only time yeah, recently right, yeah, that you'll have yeah, applauded the, him. the first time he comes up, and then he'll hit a home run, and the, and the Braves will win. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll boo him again,
0: Mister Optimism over here. <laughs> so, what did you see, Jeff Cohen, in the Eagles, Eagles in the Phillies' first game of the season? It, it was a
3: fun win, right? Well, I saw the two smallest players on the team hit home runs: Caesar Hernandez <laughs> and Freddie Galvis. That was uh, expected,
0: right? That's everybody. Thought oh that yeah, would uh-huh.
3: just like they expected Daniel Nava to hit two home runs in his first two at bats on Thursday. And just like they also expected Jeremy Hellickson to hit a triple. He did. <laughs> now, <laughs> but, but, you have issue with that. Uh, well, I, I have an issue with it in that after the after he hit the triple, he, he said after the game that he was out of gas for the next half hour. And that was the reason that they, he came out of the game the next inning. The, the fact that a, a professional athlete who gets paid billions of dollars can't run 270 feet with, without – it affecting the rest of his performance seems a little ridiculous. But if, if that's if that's the reality of the situation, which which I still find surprising, then then maybe it's time not to have pitchers bat anymore.
1: I agree. I, I think the National League, after how many years it's been? Uh, more than uh, th- almost 40 years? They should finally adopt the designated hitter uh, rule. Ryan Strauss, you do not agree.
2: No, I, I personally really like having the pitchers bat. I think it makes the games a bit more... Entertaining, you have interesting strategy late in games, and uh, having wa- lived in Michigan, watched a bunch of Tigers games, and seeing the designated hitter game to game, I just personally don't like it. And if Major League Baseball ever does make that change, I will like not watch for maybe even like a full season of protest.
3: And then you'll watch again. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you only we'll live once. Back. But I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it because because the younger generation wants faster. It wants shorter games. And what, what is one of the things that drags down a game? The pitcher comes up as the ninth batter, unless it's Madison Bumgarner, and, and, and they don't know how to bunt anymore. They basically go up there not to get hurt. So you have at least three pitches, maybe six pitches. Maybe they swing at one. Maybe every tenth at bat they get a, they get a bat on the, on the ball. But for the most part, all it is is just slowing down the game as opposed to having another potential hitter up there who could hit a home run or do something.
2: I mean, I agree that there's probably more pitching changes because you have the pitcher batting, so you're incentivized to pinch hit for them, bring a new pitcher. Having a pitcher up might be faster for the game if you're thinking of speed because they would just get out more quickly. I don't know. I Personally, amongst my friends in their mid-20s, I haven't heard that sentiment of, like wanting to change baseball significantly. I think there is um, like that marketing problem amongst the younger fans with lack of stars in the game um, nationally compared to other sports right now and probably a just lack of generational interest. I mean, it seems like basketball is really making a push towards um, the second spot after football.
1: But if you have different rules for different leagues... It's like two different uh, uh, leagues. It's, uh, you have to have the
3: same rules. I, I know that the traditionals say that it's, that, that it's part of the game, that it's been part of the history, but, but at this point, what other sport has different rules for half the teams? Right, <laughs> none.
0: Are you yeah. guys surprised that Tyler Goodell is gone?
3: I'm devastated. I mean, there was there was nothing like watching him for 162 games last year, sit on the bench and do nothing. I, 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 I mean, they they took a kid in the minors who never played above Double A. They took him in the Rule Five draft for what twenty thousand dollars or whatever it is that they have to do that for, and then they didn't play him. So not only does did they keep another player in their system down, but they kept a guy that they claim has promise and and damaged his development for an entire year and then then they needed room on their 40-man roster so they they designated him for assignment and bye-bye he's on the reds and this is surprising how i mean am not, ca- I'm not the surprised list of, the list of Philly players
0: that this organization has stifled ruined you name it is long. I mean, they blocked Ryan Howard coming up. Dom Brown, take your pick on the. Yeah,
3: but did they? Uh, the whole thing about Dom, uh, about Ryan Howard being blocked. Who was he blocked by? By
0: Jim Tomey. one of the I greatest
3: get... hitters in Major League I, Baseball. I understand
0: that, but you had somebody who turned into, as you said, your best first baseman and you missed a year of his career because of that. Now, I'm not but nobody could have or, seen that. I'm not saying whether they should or shouldn't have. I'm just mm-hmm. saying we've seen it before where with the Phillies' decision-making that is they did it questionable. Length. Well, the thing with Tyler Goodell is he was a Rule
2: 5 pick last year, so they had to keep him on the Major League roster. And if you're going to get rid of him now, then the thinking in my eyes goes, why didn't they just cut him in the middle of last season exactly. when they could have given more playing time to Roman Quinn earlier or you know, uh,
3: Nick Williams? could have gotten a call up potentially. I had a question for you, Ryan. You mentioned that that your group of friends, the people in their 20s, the Major League Baseball players aren't as identifiable. Why is that? You know, I,
2: I'm not sure. I think um, there was, in the steroid era, a lot of recognizable names that were essentially a, a whole generation of baseball stars. And after you had your Derek Jeters and your Barry Bonds is of the world, just that generation of players is gone. I think baseball has been researching for an identity. I mean, the game has really changed a lot in the last 10 years since the Phillies won the World Series. I mean, you have a significant amount more of defensive shifts. You have a significant amount more of home runs, and the runs scored are significantly down. A- averages on base percentages are down. I think that that alone, particularly the le- until – home runs were up last year, you had a, a era of just
3: very low scoring in baseball, and that was hard for fans to identify with. So, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned Derek Jeter. They just ESPN just did a survey that said of the top 50 a- athletes in all sports, the only three that were baseball are all retired or dead. It was Babe Ruth. It was, I think it was Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete and, Rose. Right. And it was Derek Jeter. Jeter. So... Jason, you're a marketing guy. What does MLB need to do in order to get the Mike Trouts and Nolan Arenado, who was mentioned by us a couple weeks ago, how do you get those guys to be the face of baseball? Well, it depends. I mean, Mike Trout is a reluctant star. He he just happens
0: to be very good at baseball. He doesn't want to necessarily be the face of baseball. You have to get personalities that match with the skill set to be able to do it. It seems like with the changing players, you don't have – it's not a a culture right now that encourages that personality to step out. Um, It's more of an adjustment in the game. So from a marketing standpoint, baseball has to decide whether they're selling their product or their players. Right now, they've been trying to sell their product recently because they don't have the marketable players. You know, if if they have the home run derby and people are like, who are half of the players hitting in it, it's not effective for them. So they focus on the fact that it's the home run derby. So it's a, it's a challenge for baseball that is only going to get better as these players grow. You have know, got the Carlos Correa's in Houston. You've got Trout. You've got other players who are definitely at a level with a skill set that they could do well, but they're just not with the personality yet. So, going around the table
3: here, who's the face of the Phillies for the next 10 years? <laughs> the Philly well, Fanatic.
1: Yeah, the Philly Fanatic. Yeah, I, I don't know anybody <laughs> else. They're, they don't really have anyone yet. I I think
3: that
0: I you know the the face isn't determined yet. You've got so many players in the farm system. You've got uh you've got some young players at the major league level. It I feel better that the Phillies will have a face of their team now than I have at any time in the last few years. I think
3: they're sense. hoping that it's going to be JP Crawford, but he's got to get up here first. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah,
2: I think per, um particularly in Philadelphia, we grew accustomed a bit to having like mega superstars on our teams. When I was growing up in the early 2000s, you had Allen Iverson and you had Eric Lindros and, you know, all the rising stars that the Phillies had. It's hard in an era of such constant uh, social media and digital media um, for baseball players to show their personalities and to, um, to show their personalities and to... Uh, attract fans because I think the NBA has done a much better job of marking their players individually and baseball, which is a very traditional sport. The players are kind of, it's in the world baseball classic, you saw so much emotion and expression, but in major league baseball, that's kind of looked down upon. And you saw that when Bryce Harper was first in the majors, he Mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, bat flips and um, just kind
3: of being that um, outward player. But, but I think here's what we all need to know, and everybody listening, especially in the Philadelphia area, is how fleeting this can be. Because it wasn't that long ago that we had lots of faces of the Phillies. We had Ryan Howard, we had Chase Utley, we had Carlos Ruiz, we had Jimmy Rollins, and we had Cole Hamels. And that was just a couple years ago, and now we're sitting around this table going, who's the next face?
1: Well, years ago, I mean, no, hundred years ago, or almost hundred years ago. I, I don't ago, remember that. I don't either. But it was before my time. But I had patients in the uh, river towns in New Jersey that told me about this. Babe Ruth and uh, Lou Gehrig and uh, and all those guys used to barnstorm after the season, which started, you know, w- which ended. The World Series ended in September, and they would go and they would play the Negro League teams or pickup games all around and that's how they got to be well known
0: yeah they won't do that anymore
1: yeah they know they 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 kind of uh, hide now we have to take a break here you're listening to the heart of sports on 6 10 a.m when we return we are going to do a roundup of the failing philadelphia teams right now <laughs> the flyers the Sixers, and the union all stumbling together <laughs> stay right with us
0: let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856 795 4709. Again, that's 856 795 4709. Or learn more on the web at www.ancoonsrealestate.com.
5: Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1- 888-337-3339, or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family.
1: Great to be back with you on the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg, along with Jason Springer, Ryan Strauss, and Jeffrey Cohen. So, the Sixers, Flyers, and the Union, they're all failing together. (laughs) The Flyers fans are calling for Coach Hackstall's removal. What do you think about that?
0: Jeff, I'll let you go first.
1: You know, I don't know if it's Haxtell. Quite frankly,
3: it's the same group of core group of players that were there under the last coach and the coach before that. You, we have a bunch of guys who just don't fit. It, I don't know what Hackstall could do with this. We have subpar goalies, and we have an offense that on paper looks like it should be scoring four or five goals a game, and the defense is young, and it, it looks like it should all work, but it doesn't. And I don't know how you can blame it on Hackstall because it happened before him too. They're just not growing. I think it's easy
0: to blame the coach. I'm not. I'm not sure whether he is the coach in the long run. But I do think something needs to be done with the players. I don't know whether they're too comfortable with each other or what it is. But you don't see improvement year over year for the majority of the players. And their stars that they need in prime
3: times disappear. I I, I would blame him for Gostaspier. Because, you see, for some reason he sat him at the beginning of the year. And nobody knew what was going on, including the player, is <laughs> right? But but I don't know how you can blame him for Giroud. I don't know how you can blame him for Voracek. Those guys have not gotten better. They have right. not stepped up. And he, you can't, you can't expect a new coach to make something out of a player that has always been like this.
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to seeing the team playing hard every night and like they. Have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to play their best. So, I personally haven't watched too much fires this year, but when I have, I haven't seen that edge that we have become accustomed to seeing over the long run with the Flyers. So hopefully they can either make adjustments or get a new coach that can kind of encourage that. Are, or, tr-
3: or trade the whole team for Brayden <laughs> been
0: There have been games, though, where they have dominated play and they just can't get shots through. They have more shots blocked. They have more passes that are knocked away. Where they've they've dominated play at times, it's just frustrating to be a fan. At and times.
3: at the same time, they also have games where they'll go a whole power play, where they don't shoot at all, where they're just cycling the puck
1: around. I'm I'm when I watch the games, I, I'm yelling at the TV: shoot, shoot, take a shot, take a shot. It sounds like the story of your life. You're yelling at the TV, at the, and, and the <laughs>
0: advising <people. laughs> me not to yell at the TV with my baby. Or, you,
1: you know, know. what else? Though they, they, we could change the rules. I mean, golf. You know, you just want to change the rules change on the everything, rules and take take some of the players off, and then there'll be more clear shots. Lots well, yeah, power plays it.
3: added it, the, in the second yeah, period yeah. that happened in
2: the first period. That's what they have in the overtime now. It's three on three, and I personally don't.
0: Uh, like it
2: but it's exciting
0: it it's very exciting but i can't i still can't decide how i feel about it but speaking of sort of changing the rules with the nhl they're making a change this year they are not going to send players to the winter olympics in 2018 that surprised me uh, i thought it was good marketing for the nhl to have their players there the nhlpa didn't seem thrilled with it uh some of the players alex ovechkin said he's still gonna go uh, thoughts on NHL players not playing in the Olympics because I believe we're gonna have a little bit of divide in here so Cohen first and then I'll let you all take it
3: um, I'm okay with taking them out okay. I, I'd rather see college players and and amateurs playing just like the old days uh, and I and I get concerned if it if it's a player on my team do I want him getting hurt during that period of time uh, I mean to me that would kill me to sit there and see that some guy who's playing for Finland who's my best player is, is now hurt for the rest of the season. And I think, quite frankly, what they're going to have to do is they're going to, like with Ovechkin, they're going to have to put clauses in their contract saying, hey, you can't go, and if you get injured when you do, we get to void your contract. That's and right. we'll see how fast Ovechkin goes.
1: I agree with that. Uh, I, I never liked uh, watching uh, professional uh, players playing in the Olympics. Uh, the Olympics, I think, are for uh, amateurs, for college players, for high school, whoever, whatever. I, I don't, I don't want to see the professionals play.
2: I mean, I personally love it. I think it's interesting to see the NHL players on the wider ice, which is used in international hockey. Also, it's just you showcase the best um, for each sport. And just like in the Olympic basketball, we enjoy watching the NBA players. Um, I also enjoyed it for hockey. And I think particularly because the next two Winter Olympics are in South Korea for 2018 and then. Um, 2022 in China. So that was an opportunity for the NHL to market their best players in that region
0: of the world. And it seems to me like they're missing out on it. It. I wonder whether they're, they're missing out. The thing that I like, whether it's NHL players or amateur players, I like the emotion that players show when they're playing for their country. So I enjoy seeing these professionals who treat their hockey career as a career other than when they're in the playoffs and win like the Stanley Cup or something like that. You really see the true emotion. You see emotion from these professional players playing in these international <clears throat> tournaments at times, except for that one-year Team USA didn't really care about playing and destroyed a hotel. But <laughs> other than that, that experience, um, I enjoy seeing the emotion of adults acting like kids in terms of remembering why they played the game. I feel like sometimes they don't remember that when they're playing in the NHL. They should, but it's a job for them. It's a career. It's a a salary. Here they're there because of the crest on the front of their chest, not because of the check that's getting deposited in their account.
3: I, I agree with you from that standpoint, but it just doesn't work because the Winter Olympics is in the middle of the hockey season. Yes that's the problem with it so it, it depends if, if you're somebody who wants to see the olympics more and you're you're a casual fan you probably do like the olympic experience better but if you're a die hard hockey fan with a favorite team you don't want your player getting injured during that period of time and it's also a longer break so you're missing hockey for two weeks eh, we'll just move it to the summer olympics and then
0: it won't conflict that that'll more. work we'll be good okay so that's the nhl jeff I know this week you watched the Sixers game. Your thoughts after Brooklyn blew out the Sixers, scoring 81 points in the first half.
1: I did not watch it. Oh. I heard about it the next day, and I just laughed. It was just, oh, so what? You know, years ago, the, 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 the point total used to be higher. 120 was, was pretty normal uh, 40 years ago um so a hundred of them by Walt chamberlain you're right exactly so but the the sixers don't the sixers are not right now they're not an nba caliber team it's like watching southwest new jersey state playing against the nba so the fact that they beat the uh, the nets uh what a week before uh, in uh, brooklyn it, uh, but now sarich is out so they don't they're they're not a real nba team so it's so it's just another game but just like brett brown said oh well we you know we live for the to uh, we, we live another day
3: well the good news is it means that they'll finish worse and they'll get more assets uh, okay i think else. the answer to all this is let's change the name of the sixers to the philadelphia assets <laughs> I, th- I think that should be the new name <laughs> that's a
0: good one Je- jeff would like that so another player out for the season robert covington uh, is there
3: is there going to be anybody left to play and put out on the court? Do they have a bench left? No, they had to get a medical exception to bring in some guy, that another guy we never heard of, to, to, to fill minutes.
2: Huh? Yeah, Poitras is actually a good player at Kentucky, though. I think he, more than Shane Long, who's the other emergency forward that they had to pick up. Like we talked about, they trade away Noel. There's not enough forwards anymore. But I think Poitras is actually worth keeping an eye on. He shot over 40% in the D-League.
0: I enjoyed watching Rashad Holmes, actually, since they've moved Noel. That, that's been, been one spot that I've enjoyed seeing. And Sarich really, although he's under a minute's restriction now with plantar fasciitis, he's put himself into the Rookie of the Year conversation absolutely with the way that he has played down the stretch.
1: It's the plantar fasciitis, that is really painful. I had it once many years ago, and, boy, it, it, with every step. So I don't know how he would be able to play uh, with it. He wouldn't well, be he able is. to walk and he's, you know, he's wouldn't he's be on able our, to
3: jump. He's on a time restriction, so they have him playing 24 minutes max a game.
1: The, the good Wh- thing is... Which is, is no is, good you know, when you
3: only have seven or eight players.
0: It's, it, the Sixers should uh, trademark the term minutes restriction.
3: <laughs> we have an attorney here. I will be calling them after I the game. I have never
0: heard so many minutes restrictions before in my life. The, seriously, the coach, I never heard. Of, I never heard that term before. I never heard it, and now like every single player that comes back from this team is on a minutes restriction forever or a game restriction or and so <laughs> you try not to get frustrated and discourage a Sixers fan you try to look at what is there hope that they're going to come back healthy you have these pieces you draft somebody it gets better you have some of these guys getting experienced they'll be further down the bench am I just being pie in the sky optimism somebody yeah. yes <laughs> yes, yeah.
3: yes because here's the problem they drafted a bunch of people that were injured and you can't expect that if you're going to draft f- five first round picks that are constantly injured even before they get to the NBA, you can't expect them to miraculously be okay. The four top picks in the last four years, every one of them has either lost a whole season or more. Okay, you can't. I have think that. part of
2: that was strategic, though. Like they knew the situation with Noel, they knew the situation with Embiid, and. it it played out how it did with people missing time, but each one of them was a unique case of a big man that had talent to be potentially great. And yes, they did have to wait. And however, it did, increase their chances of getting ben simmons and other high draft picks
0: so the question then becomes um who's the injured player right now going into the draft that the sixers might take if that's <laughs> if that's what it's going to be i uh, hope not i, no. I you know <laughs> we, we did have um something good last night the lakers lost or the lakers won and uh phoenix won too, so that helps but it still doesn't look like we're going to get the lakers pick we'll see what happens with sacramento but you're really at the mercy of a management that we've talked about in the past has really lost the trust of the fan base right now.
1: Why, why could, couldn't they bring up more players from the Delaware? Uh, they already 70s? have. How many? I don't know if there's anybody left. <laughs> I don't know
0: how the the eighty-seven ers play. I'm just going to point out that Kevin Durant is going to be coming back playing this season, mm-hmm. and Golden State gave an accurate medical report right after he got injured, and I don't see how their team doctors were able to do it and our team, Doctors, can't. Okay, we're, we're running out of time here. Ryan, real fast, give us our Union update. Are people really calling for the coach's head already?
2: Uh, some people are. I'm not one of them, though. The thing is, the Union haven't won a game since August 27th of last year.
0: <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, man.
2: they had an 11-game streak at the end of the season last year where they didn't get a win, and then they've opened the season this year with four games uh two ties and two draws oh my god so well, i was gonna
3: say did they lose all the games or did they just tie them all oh well, there's some ties and it's
2: like half ties half and losses but it doesn't cut it you know so the union have three three of their next games at home and hopefully they can uh show some of the talent they have i still think that there's talent there and they just need to figure out how to get the best uh pieces to fit the puzzle are they selling out no, not not yet. The summer's typically a little bit better for their tickets.
1: They got to win first, Jeff. And they and and the, they got to do something more than a zero zero tie yeah jeff jeff Ruppert finds uh the ties in uh soccer boring okay wait aren't you the same night? guy that no, last no. week proposed another soccer league uh, that's right <laughs> but five five would be good but uh, you know all right last zero, words guys zero. any last comments yeah well the phillies already have a losing record <laughs> but but tomorrow <laughs> that's, that's you know, to day, yeah, on the sign off and and hopefully you know i'll, I'll keep rooting for them until the NFL Draft.
3: Okay, coming soon. Jeff Cohen. Hey? I'm looking out the window. The sky is not falling. They're only they're only one and two at the time we're taping this show. Give it some time. Brian Strauss. Yeah, go is looking for a great game tomorrow against Max Scherzer.
0: Looking forward to the home opener. We'll discuss it next week. Thank you for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Saturday at 1 p.m. Remember, that's our new time. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye.